Chapter Eleven, Part One of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugene Sue. Chapter Eleven, Part One. Clémence Derville. The reader will kindly excuse our having left one of our heroines in a most critical situation, the denouement of which we shall state hereafter. It will be remembered that Rodolphe had preserved Madame Derville from an imminent danger occasioned by the jealousy of Sarah who had acquainted m d'harville with the assignation clemence had so imprudently granted to m charles robert deeply affected with the scene he had witnessed the prince returned directly home after quitting the rue du temple putting off till the next day the visit he purposed paying to mademoiselle rigolette and the distressed family of the unfortunate artisan of whom we have spoken believing them out of the reach of present want thanks to the money he had given madame d'harville to convey to them in order that her pretended charitable visit to the house might assume a more convincing appearance in the eyes of her husband unfortunately rodolphe was ignorant of tortillard's having possessed himself of the purse although the reader has already been told how the artful young thief contrived to effect the barefaced cheat after four o'clock the prince received the following letter which was brought by an old woman who went away the instant she had delivered it without awaiting any answer my lord i owe you more than life and i would fain express my heartfelt gratitude for the invaluable service you have rendered me to-day to-morrow shame would perhaps close my lips if your royal highness will honour me with a call this evening you will finish the day as you began it by a generous action d'orbigny d'harville p s do not my lord take the trouble to write an answer i shall be at home all the evening however rejoiced rodolphe felt at having been the happy instrument of good to madame d'harville he yet could not help regretting the sort of a forced intimacy which this circumstance all at once established between himself and the marquise deeply struck with the graceful vivacity and extreme beauty of clemence yet wholly incapable of infringing upon the friendship which existed between himself and the marquis rodolphe directly he became aware of the passion which was springing up in his heart for the wife of his friend almost denied himself after having previously devoted a whole month to the most assiduous attentions the pleasure of beholding her and now too he recollected with much emotion the conversation he had overheard at the embassy between tom and sarah when the latter by way of accounting for her hatred and jealousy had affirmed and not without truth that madame d'harville still felt even unknown to herself a serious affection for rodolph sarah was too acute too penetrating too well versed in the knowledge of the human heart not to be well aware that clemence believing herself scorned by a man who had made so deep an impression on her heart and yielding from the effects of her irritated feelings to the importunities of a perfidious friend might be induced to interest herself in the imaginary woes of m charles robert without consequently forgetting rodolph other women faithful to the memory of a man they had once distinguished would have remained indifferent to the melancholy looks of the commandant clemence d'harville was therefore doubly blamable although she had only yielded to the seduction of unhappiness and fortunately for her had been preserved alike by a keen sense of duty and the remembrance of the prince which still lurked in her heart and kept faithful watch over it from the commission of an irreparable fault a thousand contradictory emotions disturbed the mind of rodolph as he thought of his interview with madame d'harville firmly resolved to resist the predilection which attracted him to her society sometimes he congratulated himself on being able to cast off his love for her by the recollection of her having entangled herself with such a being as charles robert and the next instant 
he bitterly deplored seeing the flattering veil with which he had invested his idol fall to the ground clemence d'harville on her part awaited the approaching interview with much anxiety but the two prevailing sentiments which pervaded her breast were painful confusion when she remembered the interference of rodolphe and a fixed aversion when she thought of m charles robert and many reasons were concerned in this feeling of dislike almost approaching hatred itself a woman will risk her honour or her life for a man but she will never pardon him for having placed her in a mortifying or a ridiculous situation madame d'harville felt her cheeks flush and her pulse beat rapidly as she indignantly recalled the insulting looks and impertinent remarks of madame pipelet nor was this all after receiving from rodolphe an intimation of the danger she was incurring clemence had proceeded rapidly towards the fifth floor as directed but the position of the staircase was such that as she hurried on she perceived m charles robert in his dazzling robe de chambre at the very instant when recognizing the light step of the woman he expected he with a self-satisfied confident and triumphant look set the door of his apartment half open the air of insolent familiarity expressed by the negligee toilette he had assumed quickly enabled the marquise to perceive how entirely she had been mistaken in his character led away by the kindness and goodness of her heart and the generosity of her disposition to take a step which might for ever destroy her reputation she had accorded this meeting not from love but solely from commiseration in order to console him for the ridiculous part the bad taste of the duc de lucenay had made him play before her at the embassy words can ill describe the disgust and vexation with which madame d'harville beheld the slipshod déshabillé of the commandant implying as it did his opinion how completely her ill-judged condescension had broken down the barriers of etiquette and led him to consider no further respect towards her necessary the timepiece in the small salon which madame d'harville ordinarily occupied struck nine o'clock dressmakers and tavern-keepers have so much abused the style of louis the fifteenth and the renaissance that the marquise a woman of infinite taste had excluded from her apartments this description of ornament now become so vulgarized and confined it to that part of the hotel devoted to the reception of visitors and grand entertainments nothing could be more elegant or more distingue than the fitting up of the salon in which the marquise awaited rodolphe the colour of the walls as well as the curtains which without either valances or draperies were of indian texture was bright straw colour on which were embroidered in a darker shade in unwrought silk arabesques of the most beautiful designs and whimsical devices double curtains of point d'alencon entirely concealed the windows the rosewood doors were set off with gold mouldings most beautifully carved surrounding in each panel an oval medallion of sevres china nearly a foot in diameter representing a numberless variety of birds and flowers of surpassing brilliancy and beauty the frames of the looking-glasses and the cornices of the curtains were also of rosewood ornamented with similar raised work of silver gilt the white marble mantelpiece with its supporting caryatids of antique beauty and exquisite grace was from the chisel of the proud and imperious marochetti that great artist having consented to sculpture this delicious chef-d'oeuvre in imitation of benvenuto cellini who disdained not to model ewers and armour two candelabras and two candlesticks of vermeil forming groups of small figures beautifully executed stood on either side of the timepiece which was formed of a square block of lapis lazuli raised on a pedestal of oriental jasper and surmounted with a large and magnificently enamelled golden cup 
richly studded with rubies and pearls once the property of the florentine republic several excellent pictures of the venetian school of middle size completed this assemblage of elegance and refined taste thanks to a most charming invention but recently introduced this splendid yet simple apartment was lighted only by the soft rays of a lamp the unground surface of whose crystal globe was half hid among a mass of real flowers contained in an immensely large and deep blue and gold japan cup suspended from the ceiling like a lustre by three chains of vermeil around which were entwined the green stalks of several climbing plants while some of the flexible branches thickly laden with flowers overhanging the edge of the cup and hanging gracefully down formed a waving fringe of fresh verdure beautifully contrasting with the blue and gold enamel of the purple porcelain we have been thus precise in these details trifling as they may seem in order to give some idea of the exquisite taste possessed by madame d'harville the almost invariable companion of an elevated mind and also because misfortunes always strike us more poignantly cruel when they insinuate themselves into abodes like this the favoured possessors of which seem gifted by providence with everything to make life happy and enviable buried in the downy softness of a large armchair totally covered by the same straw-coloured indian silk as formed the rest of the hangings clemence d'harville sat awaiting the arrival of rodolphe her hair was arranged in the most simple manner she wore a high dress of black velvet which well displayed the beauty and admirable workmanship of her large collar and cuffs of english lace which prevented the extreme black of the velvet from contrasting too harshly with the dazzling whiteness of her throat and hands in proportion as the hour approached for her interview with rodolph the emotion of the marquise increased but by degrees her embarrassment ceased and firmer resolves took possession of her mind after a long and mature reflection she came to the determination of confiding to rodolph a great a cruel secret hoping by her frankness to win back that esteem she now so highly prized awakened by gratitude her pristine admiration of rodolph returned with fresh force one of those secret whispers which rarely deceives the heart that loves told her that chance alone had not brought the prince so opportunely to her succour and that his studied avoidance of her society during the last few months had originated in anything but indifference a vague suspicion also arose in her mind as to the reality and sincerity of the affection sarah professed for her while deeply meditating on all these things a valet de chambre having first gently tapped at the door entered saying will it please you my lady to see madame ashton and my young lady madame d'harville made an affirmative gesture of assent and a little girl slowly entered the room the child was about four years old and her countenance would have been a very charming one but for its sickly pallor and extreme meagreness madame ashton the governess held her by the hand but directly claire that was the name of the little girl saw her mother she opened her arms and spite of her feebleness ran towards her her light brown hair was plaited and tied at each side of her forehead with bows of cherry-coloured riband her health was so delicate that she wore a wrapping dress of dark brown silk instead of one of those pretty little white muslin frocks trimmed with ribbons of a similar colour as those in the hair and well cut over the bosom to show the plump pinky arms and smooth fair shoulders so lovely in healthy children so sunken were the cheeks of poor claire that her large dark eyes looked quite enormous but spite of every appearance of weakness a sweet and gentle smile lit up her small features when she was placed on the lap of her mother whom she kissed and embraced with intense yet mournful affection 
how has she been of late madame ashton inquired madame d'harville of the governess tolerably well madame although at one time i feared again cried clemence pressing her daughter to her heart with a movement of involuntary horror fortunately madame i was mistaken said the governess and the whole passed away without any further alarm mademoiselle claire became composed and merely suffered from a momentary feeling of weakness she had not slept much this afternoon but i could not coax her to bed without allowing her the pleasure of paying a visit to you dear little angel cried madame d'harville covering her daughter with kisses the interesting child repaid her mother's caresses with infantine delight when the groom of the chambers entered and announced his royal highness the grand duke of gerolstein claire standing on her mother's lap had thrown her arms about her neck and was clasping her with all the force of which her tiny arms were capable at the sight of rodolphe clemence blushed deeply set her child gently down on the carpet and signed to madame ashton to take her away she then rose to receive her guest you must give me leave said rodolph smilingly after having respectfully bowed to the marquise to renew my acquaintance with my little friend here who i fear has almost forgotten me and stooping down a little he extended his hand to claire who first gazing at him with her large eyes curiously scrutinized his features then recognizing him she made a gentle inclination of the head and blew him a kiss from the tips of her small thin fingers you remember my lord then my child asked clemence of little claire who gave an assenting nod and kissed her hand to rodolph a second time her health appears to be much improved since i last saw her said he addressing himself with unfeigned interest to clemence thank heaven my lord she is better though still sadly delicate and suffering the marquise and the prince mutually embarrassed at the thoughts of the approaching interview would have been equally glad to defer its commencement through the medium of claire's presence but the discreet madame ashton having taken her away rodolphe and clemence were left quite alone the armchair in which madame d'harville was reclining stood on the right hand of the chimney and rodolph remained without attempting to seat himself gracefully leaning his elbow on the mantelpiece never had clemence been so strongly impressed with admiration at the noble and prepossessing appearance of the prince never had his voice sounded more gentle or sweet upon her ear fully understanding how painful it must be to the marquise to open the conversation rodolph at once proceeded to the main point by observing you have been madame the victim of a base and treacherous action a cowardly and dishonourable disclosure on the part of the countess macgregor has well-nigh effected irremediable mischief is it indeed so exclaimed clemence painfully surprised then my presentiments were not ill-founded and by what means did your royal highness discover this last night at the ball given by the countess Blank, i discovered this infamous secret i was sitting in a lone part of the winter garden when countess sarah and her brother unconscious that a mass of verdure along concealed me from them while it enabled me to hear each word they spoke began conversing freely upon their own projects and the snare they had spread for you anxious to warn you of the danger with which you were threatened i hastened to madame de nerval's ball hoping to meet you there but you did not appear to write and direct my letter here was to incur the risk of its falling into the hands of the marquis whose suspicions were already aroused by your treacherous friend and i therefore preferred awaiting your arrival in the rue du temple that i might unfold to you the perfidy of countess macgregor let me hope you will pardon my thus long dwelling on a subject which must be so painful to you 
and but for the few lines you were kind enough to write never would my lips have in any way reverted to it after a momentary silence madame d'harville said to rodolph there is but one way my lord in which i can prove to you my gratitude for your late generous conduct it is to confess to you that which i have never revealed to a human being what i have to say will not exculpate me in your estimation but it will perhaps enable you to make some allowances for my imprudence candidly speaking madame said rodolph smiling my position as regards you is a very embarrassing one clemence astonished at the most jesting tone in which he spoke looked at rodolph with extreme surprise while she said how so my lord thanks to a circumstance you are doubtless acquainted with i am obliged to assume the grave airs of a mentor touching an incident which since you have so happily escaped the vile snare laid for you by countess sarah scarcely merits being treated with so much importance but continued rodolph with a slight shade of gentle and affectionate earnestness your husband and myself are almost as brothers and before our time our fathers had vowed the sincerest friendship for each other i have therefore a double motive in most warmly congratulating you on having secured the peace and happiness of your husband and it is from my knowledge of the high regard and esteem with which you honour m d'harville that i have determined upon revealing the whole truth as well as to explain myself relative to an interest which must appear to you as ill-chosen and unworthy as it now seems to me i wish also to clear up that part of my conduct which bears an injurious appearance against the tranquillity and honour of him your highness styles almost a brother believe me madame i shall at all times be most proud and happy to receive the smallest proof of your confidence yet permit me to say as regards the interest you speak of that i am perfectly aware it originated as much in sincere pity as from the constant importunities of countess sarah macgregor who had her own reasons for seeking to injure you and i also know equally well that you long hesitated ere you could make up your mind to take the step you now so much regret clemence looked at the prince with surprise you seem astonished well that you may not fancy i dabble in witchcraft some of these days i will tell you all about it said rodolph smiling but your husband is perfectly tranquillized is he not yes my lord said clemence looking down in much confusion and it is most painful to me to hear him asking my pardon for having ever suspected me and then eulogizing my modest silence respecting my good deeds nay do not chide an illusion which renders him so happy on the contrary endeavour to maintain the innocent deception were it not forbidden to treat your late adventure lightly and had not you madame been so much involved in it i would say that a woman never appears more charming in the eyes of her husband than when she has some fault to conceal it is inconceivable how many little cajoleries and what winning smiles are employed to ease a troubled conscience when i was young added rodolph smiling i always in spite of myself mistrusted any unusual marks of tenderness and by the same rule i can say of myself that i never felt more disposed to appear in an amiable light than when i was conscious of requiring forgiveness so directly i perceived a more than ordinary anxiety to please and gratify me i was very sure judging by my own conduct to ascribe it to some little peccadillo that needed overlooking and pardoning end of chapter eleven part one read by celine major